turn to the book of Leviticus. Uh, and I want to talk about uh, today, I want to talk about gleaning. Leviticus chapter 19, and uh, see uh, some people here from Elizabeth. Peter and Kerry down the back there somewhere. It's Peter got, he's ducked off. There you go. All right, welcome anyway. Um, let's turn to Leviticus chapter 19, verse 10. Just gives us a bit of an idea what goes on here. Um, thou shalt not glean thy vineyard, neither shall thou gather every grape of thy vineyard. Thou shalt leave them for the poor and the stranger. I am the Lord your God. If we turn over to chapter 23 of Leviticus, chapter 23 and verse 22, we read here also, and when you reap the harvest of your land, that thou shalt, thou shalt not make clean riddance of the corners of the fields when thou reapest, neither shalt thou gather any gleaning of the harvest. Thou shalt leave, it, um, leave them unto the poor, unto the stranger. I am the Lord thy God. And uh, in uh, chapter 25, at verse 35, we read here, And if thy brother be waxen poor and fallen into decay with thee, thou shalt relieve him, yea, though, though he be a stranger or a sojourner, that he may live with thee. Uh, take thou no usury of him or increase, but fear the Lord God that thy brother may live with thee. Uh, they shall not give him thy money unto them upon usury, nor lend him. So he's talking about don't charge him interest. If you're going to lend him money or anything like that, don't charge interest. That's what usury is. But the idea is um, the Lord talking here about looking after, in effect, looking after the, the poor and the needy and the stranger um, and so on. And the idea is of gleaning is uh, a Bible terminology, really. We use it a bit. We glean information here and there, that sort of thing. But particularly uh, in the Bible, it talks about, as we've read, gleaning, which means, as it said a bit, when you're harvesting, leave the corners of the, of the yard or the paddock and uh, whatever falls on the ground, leave it alone. So uh, that is set for the poor and needy. They go out and and uh, pick it up and collect it. So uh, that's the idea. Let's turn to the book of Ruth. Um, and uh, Ruth had a little bit of this in her life. As, uh, as we know, Ruth just over a bit, just before the book of Samuel. Um, read in uh, just a couple of verses in chapter 2. We'll come back to it later. But we see in verse 1 of chapter 2 of Ruth, and Naomi had a kinsman of her husband's because uh, Naomi's family died, husband and, and um, two sons. Uh, and they've come back, her and, as we see, Ruth. Uh, but uh, Naomi had a kinsman of her husband's, a mighty man of wealth, of a family of Elimelech. Uh, uh, His name was Boaz. And Ruth, the, Moab the Moabite, yes, said unto Naomi, let me now go to the field and glean ears of corn after him whose sight I shall find grace. And she went and said unto her, Go, my daughter. So we see here in, we won't read the story at this stage, but 
Ruth was involved in this situation. She was going to this particular fellow's paddock where he was growing corn and she would glean the ears, some of the ears in the corner. There might be an idea area where there was it was still growing, so it was just fallen on the ground. It really didn't matter. And uh, and when you and uh, also she also went in and collected barley. And uh, so when barley is ready to reap, you only have to sort of knock it a bit and the grain will fall on the ground um, when it's hot. That's the idea. That's the best time to reap barley. And so they would have been in the situation um, as, as um, Ruth was a bit later, gleaning barley, which was, um, could imagine, they, these, these ladies had no food, no uh, real um, relations where they could go. So they were strangers or sojourners, sojourners, and uh, her husband's sort of uncle or whatever was this particular fellow, Boaz, but it was, you know, sort of a bit away from the, the, the actual family. So they couldn't actually go back and say, oh, here I am, this is my land, I'll grow a crop here or do so. They had to glean as a poor person. And when you're poor in those days, you had nothing. And a lot of them, when they, particularly when you, you're picking up barley, you pick up individual barley grains and put them in a bag or whatever they had in their, in their pocket, whatever. But they had, at some stage, um, a bit later on, um, Ruth gleaned an ephah of barley, which is quite a bit. You want to look up, I didn't have to particularly look up, but I think it's about a, sort of a bag, almost a bag full of barley's grain. So obviously it would have been a lot, and they could then either use it or sell it or whatever. They could make bread from it, uh, and that was the idea. So it was a very precious thing. And the Lord provided the areas in the corners and whatever dropped on the ground, in effect, was there for the poor and the, the stranger and so on. Uh, and that was, leave it alone, don't, and don't you go out and you have the harvest, but the grain, leave it alone, and the corners and so on. So that was the idea of, of doing that. So we go over to the book of the Gospel of John, um, and look at a, a couple of things that, that where I sort of in my maybe you probably think I'm a silly old man or something, but um, my the way I think is different. Um, but we see here in Ch John's Gospel in chapter four, uh, verse thirty-five, Jesus talking here and saying, "Stay not ye; there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest." Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. And verse 36, to he that reapeth receiveth wages and gathereth fruit unto the eternal, that both he and the sower and the reaper may rejoice together. And uh, as says, one soweth and one reapeth. And <clears throat> we might just flick back to Matthew in chapter 9. It's a bit along similar lines. Matthew chapter 9 and verse um, 36. So we see here verse 36, When he saw the multitudes, this is Jesus again, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted 
and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the labourers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth labourers into his fields. So the Lord is sort of identifying at some stage there's a great harvest of of men's hearts. That's what he's talking about and talking about, you know, whether it's barley or, or corn or whatever. But he was talking here, Jesus was talking about people coming to know him, being filled with the Holy Ghost, being baptised, repenting of the ways and so on. So he said that at some stage there's going to be a great harvest. And he's talking in the Old Testament about the, the latter the latter harvest and, and the or the first harvest and the late latter harvest or the uh, people coming to the Lord when just after the day of Pentecost, lots and lots of people in the time of Paul the Apostle and so on. Uh, but then there was a, a time where there was not much happening at all for many, many hundreds of years. And uh, in this last hundred years, things have started to pick up and so on. And we've seen back in the 70s and 80s we saw a lot of revival in our fellowship and probably all over the world. But particularly our fellowship, we saw, we used to, when we uh, first moved to the Vogue Theatre, we used to ba- baptise 500 people a year for a number of years. And, uh, you know, at times we'd, we'd baptise 13 people on a Sunday afternoon. And it was quite exciting of those, those times. And that was, uh, you know, the the great harvest uh, or part of the great harvest that Jesus spoke about. And uh, if we go over to the book of James in chapter 5, and so we sort of, uh, we looked for, you know, we sort of think, well, what's what's happening? The Lord talks about this great harvest and so on. He's obviously saying, let's let's pray for some labourers, which is you and I. But he talked about uh, the harvest. And uh, in chapter 5 of James, verse verse 7, he says here, Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth, and had long patience for it, until he received the early and the latter rain. Be ye also patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. And so he goes on. So he's talking here about a husbandman waiting for the precious fruits. And we know when you grow, particularly if you grow wheat or barley, which we do particularly in Australia, uh, wheat, you have to have a minimum of five months, a growing period. And if you don't have five months, you don't get much of a crop. Whereas barley, at times I I grew barley when I was a young fella. I grew barley, I receded in October and wrapped it in December. So it doesn't take long for barley to, to grow. But wheat takes five months, minimum. So, and really talking here about the husband waiting. So you don't sort of plant the crop today and then rush out tomorrow and pick it, reap it, you have to wait. And then when it comes, it's, you think it's ready, to, it's ready to grow, ready to reap, and it's too cold. 
the weather's too cold, so you can't reap it, so you have to wait a bit longer. You think, oh, tomorrow will be good. Then it's either too cold or it's too hot and they have a fire ban. So then you can't go out with your headers and things. So there's, there's lots of bits and pieces that happen. And if you, if you leave it too long, which when I was in New South Wales at one stage, the cropping there, and uh, we got to the point where we had too much rain and the, the heads of wheat were starting to grow again. It was that wet, so the crop was destroyed. So all that waiting for nothing. So when we, when we you know, <coughs> James is talking here about being patient. And uh, the thing uh, I'd like to sort of talk a little bit about, we go back to Acts chapter 20 and um, Acts chapter 20 and just what, I think there's only a one verse here, Acts chapter 20, verse 35. Verse 35, Acts chapter 20, I have shown you all things, how so that so labouring you ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said it is more blessed to give than receive. And uh, so I started to consider but uh, over the last week or two or three about our, you know, the Lord talks about a great harvest, a latter rain. And we've seen bits and pieces, we've, uh, even with our own fellowship, we've seen wonderful times, but that was 50 years ago. So uh, well, let's say, let's bring it up to the early 80s and say 40 years ago. And, uh, but the Lord is saying here, we need to support the weak. And in the Old Testament, we read about supporting those that are poor and, uh, and uh, strangers and so on. So I, I'm sort of looking at that as people that have just come along or we've spoken to at some stage. And I sort of consider them maybe as one of the grains of barley on the ground. And I was just hoping we could consider that as well. Maybe someone who we've spoken to, we've had dealings with, someone that used to come along. Have we thought about going to see them? Have we encouraged, encouraged them to come along? Have we rang them or dropped around and seen what's happening? These are the sorts of things when we, when we start to glean is to let's think about these sort of situations that as, we're, as uh, the harvest is ready, but are we ready? Are we ready to, to, uh, to go out and, and, and talk to somebody? Not necessarily new people, yes, that'd be good, but people that we know, people we've spoken to before and, and so on, that, that's called gleaning, gathering, gathering things that, you know, people that are in, in need, that are poor and wretched and so on, in difficulties, maybe they're unwell and so on, and we, as uh, uh, the husbandmen, if you like, like, like Boaz, he, a wealthy, wealthy man, as we are, we've got wealth, we've got fellowship, we've got the Lord's blessing, but there's a lot of people that we've had dealings with that are a bit like Ruth, that have come in and really not supposed to be, because Ruth was a Moabite S. 
and she wasn't part of the blessing of God. She was from a, a different nationality, if you want to put it that way. In those days, it was only for, for the children of Israel, those people, God's people that he was blessing. So she was outside of that. But, but the Lord had already told Boaz, if you like, in the, the book of Leviticus, treat a stranger or the poor, look after them, which he, which he did. But what I'm thinking, are we doing the same thing? Let us consider people that are in great need. Can we go out and pick the grains of barley, the, cor the, cor the cob of corn, or whatever we're picking, go out and, and do the gleaning, cleaning, so when we're, everything's cleaned, there's a great harvest to come. If we got to maybe duck back to the book of Ruth, and um, we might just have a quick... It's never very easy to find, Ruth. Only a little small book. Never where it's supposed to be in my book, but it's there. And uh, chapter 2 and verse 7, we read in the right chapter, verse 7, as um, you're talking here to uh, to uh, Boaz's manager, if you like, and she said, "I pray you let me glean and gather rather gather after the reapers among the sheaves." So she came and hath continued even from morning until now that she tarried a little in the house. Then said Boaz unto Ruth, "Hearest thou, my daughter? Go not to glean in it to in another field, neither go from hence, but abide here." Fast by my maidens, let thine eyes be on the field that they do reap, and go thou after them. Have I not charged the young men that they shall not touch thee? And when thou art athirst, go into the vessels and drink uh, of that which the young men have drawn. And she fell on her face and bowed herself into the ground and said, Why have I found grace in thine eyes that thou shouldest take knowledge of me, seeing I'm a stranger? Um... And so it goes on there, and down in uh, <coughs> um, verse 15, when she had risen up and to glean, Boaz commanded his young men, saying, let her glean even among the sheaves, and they repose her not, not in an area where she really wasn't supposed to be. It's supposed to be on the edges, but he said, let her go in amongst the sheaves, right in where the blessing of his blessing was. So she gleaned in the field even until Ethan and beat out, that she had cleaned it was about an ephod, uh, ephah of barley, and uh, she took it up and went into the city, and her mother-in-law saw that she had gleaned and brought forth and gave her that was reserved unto the, after which she was sufficed. And uh, so it goes on there. So there was a great blessing for Ruth. She was a Moabitess. She wasn't supposed to be part of the whole thing. She could actually glean the corners and around the place if she wanted to. That was her right. But Boaz, after a while, recognised and he said, go into the harvest and, and in effect, glean there. In other words, grab whatever you like, really. And uh, I see the same if we are busy, if we are thinking and concerned uh, about people that we've had dealings with in our family, at work, maybe friends, if we've got any friends left, um, all sorts of different situations where you can 
go and glean those people, if you like, for the Lord. Because the Lord is waiting, as he said, if we're busy, if we're ready, as Ruth was, she was out in the field. Boaz said, don't worry about the corner, go right into where the blessing is. And I think if we, if we <coughs> start to think about those issues, uh, the Lord's blessing is there. Jesus said that the harvest is ready, but pray for labourers. And if we're gleaning, we're ready, we're keen, we're wanting to, to talk to people. If we think about people that we know, uh, and, and, and maybe have spoken, maybe have been to a meeting, maybe haven't, whatever, dare we go back and talk to them again? Dare we go back to that field and think, oh, there's nothing there? Have a look on the ground. There's grains of barley. The blessing of God is, uh, is around the place and we need to be ready for it. If we look in the book of uh, Luke chapter 15, and uh, we know this story particularly well, and sometimes we can get caught up in this sort of thing. Um, we see here in verse, um, verse 11, chapter 15, Said man had two sons, and the younger of them said unto his father, Give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them for in his living, uh, his living. And not many days after, the young man gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And uh, when he had spent everything, uh, there was a, a famine, and he went out and joined himself to the citizens of the country. And he was sent into the fields to feed the swine. And he, uh, he would, as it says there in verse 16, he would have gladly have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. So he was in a bit of a predicament. He was in the, one of the poor people and so on, and he was cast aside. And, uh, well, he went aside and having a wonderful time, and all of a, all of a sudden he ran out of money. And so he went back, he thought, I'll go back to my father, even if I get, a, if you like, a job just sweeping the floors or something. And he's in verse 19, and, and say unto his father, I'm not worthy to be called thy son, make me one of thy hired servants. And he rose and came to his father, but when he, he was yet a, a great way off, his father saw him, and in compassion ran and fell on his neck and kissed him, and the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven in thy sight, and no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said unto his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put on him, put a ring on his hand, shoes on his feet, bring hither the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to make merry. Now his eldest son was in the field, and when he came and drew nigh into the house, he heard music and dancing. He called one of his servants and asked what were these things meant. And he said unto him, Thy brother has come, thy father has killed the fatted calf, because he has received him safe and sound. But he was angry and would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. And he answered and said unto his father, Though these many years do I serve thee, Neither transgressed I at any time the, thy commandments, and yet thou never gavest me the, a kid that I might make merry with my friends. 
But as soon as this thy son has come, which has devoured the living with the, with the harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and thou art all that I have is thine. And I was meet that we should make merry and be glad, for this thy brother was dead, and is alive again, and was lost, and is found. And the brother was upset, and said things uh, he didn't really know. He said he was living with harlots. Well, doesn't say that. He may have, he may not have, but he was upset. And he, he didn't want what was going on. He didn't like what was going on. And we see ourselves in these situations at times, all of a sudden, someone who's been out of fellowship for 5, 10, 20 years, whatever, all of a sudden back into fellowship. And we start to look at, hang on a minute, how come they're in here? How come they let those people into the fellowship, etc.? We, we start to consider those things and, and uh, start asking questions and, and, and challenge what uh, maybe one of the pastors have, and the oversight have decided about some particular person. And we, we decide, well, you know, well, I know better. It's a bit like the sun here. No, no. You've always had the blessing. This person needs to make themselves right with the Lord. And sometimes we, we fall into that trap. So we need to be aware also as we, are we as, a, as a fellowship, we see people coming and going. We see people coming back into the fellowship. We should be rejoicing in that. They've found their way back as, as this man's father was rejoicing and obviously the servants and so on because they thought he was dead. And uh, many people over the years, we think, well, that's the end of them. And after many years, we see them return to our fellowship and we rejoice in that, or we should, because if we're not out gleaning, the Lord is. And we should be a part of that. We should be out thinking about these, this person or that person. What about this one? What about that one? Maybe I should go and see them and I'm talking to, or also about people that we've maybe just spoken to briefly down, down the street or wherever. Let us think about making that little bit of effort to go and see them and encourage them and, uh, and, and give them a chance to say, the Lord's still here. We're still open for business. We're looking for the big harvest. It will come if we're ready, if we want to be a labourer for the Lord. If we're busy now gleaning, ready for the harvest as Ruth was, she wasn't looking for the harvest, but she was then put in to where she could harvest. She could grab, grab whatever she liked, whatever, however much she wanted. She got a, a big bag of it so she could have food for her and her mother-in-law and maybe they could sell a bit on or whatever, I'm not sure. But... Uh, she first started just gleaning in the paddocks, but then the blessing came. And I believe if we do the same, if we're busy, we're looking here, looking there, what about this person, thinking about that person, God will bless us. We will see the harvest again. The things that we saw in the 70s and 80s, we'll see again in this millennium, in this uh uh, a decade, if you want to put it that way, in the 20s, 2020s. There's no reason, because Jesus said the harvest is ready. 
Don't wait four months. It's now. We need to be ready. We need to be ready to go out and we, re- we need to be ready to in- in have people come in and rejoice in that and see the Lord adding to the, to the church and drawing people unto himself. And uh, we'll go over to, let's go to Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse, <clears throat> verse 1, no, verse 10. We see here, for God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labour of love, which you have shown towards his name, in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. It goes on there, and uh, if we go over to chapter 10 now, um, just the Lord saying there, he, he hasn't forgotten us. In verse t- chapter 10 and verse 22, we read here, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from evil, from an evil, evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. We see the day of the Lord coming quickly. With signs all around us and we see uh, wars, rumours of wars, earthquakes, famines, you know, the problems there. In, there's a war in, in a civil war in Sudan, which is, okay, that's, they might fight it, they might sort it out. But in the meantime, no one's got anything to eat. Massive famine about to happen in that country. The Lord spoke of these things. The Lord is he's on his way back, sort of thing, if we want to put it that way. And uh, he's encouraging us, don't forsake yourselves together. Make sure, if you can, here, get here at the meetings, arrive to uh, on a Sunday afternoon, sun, both meetings, Wednesday nights, Tuesday nights down at Karagalinga. There's always a bit of room down there. And... Uh, Get involved at a meeting, but bring others as w- bring, bring others with you. That's really what he was saying here, that uh, let us hold fast our profession without wavering. Let us consider one another. Let us consider those that are not sitting with us today, that maybe we've spoken to, maybe we've had some uh, dealings with over the years. Let's encourage them. That's really what we're saying here. Let's go to Romans in chapter 12. Romans chapter 12 verse 9, we read here, Let love be without dissimulation. <coughs> that means without, well, hypocrisy or, or make out sort of thing. Or you like one and not the other. Uh, Overhaul that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly kindness, in honour preferring one another. Not slothful in business. We're in the Lord's business, fervent in the spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in in prayer, distributing to the necessity of the saints, given to hospitality, bless them which persecute you and uh, bless, bless them which persecute you, bless and curse not. Rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind, one towards another, Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. 
be not wise in your own conceits. And so it goes on there. The Lord is encouraging us in these situations to care about one another. And that's my thought today. When we're in, in gleaning, is you're thinking about other people. We're very fortunate because we're in a, in, a, in a great blessed position because we're here and there's fellowship. There's people will come and maybe come and talk to you at half time and have a cup of tea with you um, and so on. But I'm talking about others. Let us consider one another. Let us consider other people. Let us consider those that we've uh, had some contact with. Let's consider one another in here as well, that the, the love of the brethren the Lord talks about should be very much part of our fellowship, that we do care one for another, that we're looking after one another, we're talking to one another. Many, one of the things we used to, many years ago was uh, we would go to people's places and, of an evening, turn up at the door and, uh, and uh, you know, have you got any friends or relatives you would like us to talk to? And invariably, there was someone they knew, we'd go around and see them, maybe that night or the next night or whenever, and on and on it went. People came to the Lord, just those sorts of things, because we were busy, if you like, gleaning for the Lord, looking here and there, gathering bits and pieces, gathering people, gathering situations, and, and, and I believe that if we do the similar thing, if we are out busy for the Lord now, you won't believe the, the blessing. We won't be able to contain it if the Lord moves. And if we're busy, we'll fill this place very, very quickly. When you think about baptising 500 a year, we haven't got that many seats. But that's what the Lord promised to do. Jesus said, the harvest is plenteous. The harvest is white. Are we ready to go? All the people said. All right, we'll uh, leave things there. And uh, now is the time. We may have the, the band down. Mm -hmm.